Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. One disconnect that we can have as we approach the word altar in the Bible is that we can perceive it to be an ancient construction of worship that we don't have anymore. And that is in every way true. And the word altar is found 300 times in the Old Testament and 21 times in the New Testament. So it's hard to overlook this word and the importance of Bible history. And it is true that an altar was a construction for ancient worship. Archaeologically, we find many altars around the world. These altars are, of course, used for pagan worship, which is contributed to false gods and religion. Uh, We think about uh, this picture here, about, uh, I think, around 1000 B.C., uh, the Israelites adapted to a pagan religion uh, called Molech, and was a god of Molech from the, uh, uh, the people of Ammonites, and this god, of course, required infant baby sacrifices. And we see uh, just a description of this uh, sacrifice, sacrifice that they gave toward this false god at an altar. And so uh, the people of that land, of course, uh, in every way were into paganism. And that's why God had to drive them out. And that's why uh, Joshua and the Israelites came into the promised land fighting the war. And God could not stand the... Uh, the idolatry and uh, baby sacrifices no longer. And uh, as we think about the scripture, God did give around 400 years to uh, have them repent. And I believe that God dealt with them because God gave the prophecy uh, 400 years before Abram's time uh, that uh, the Israelites would come. And uh, God says the iniquity uh, is not up to the full yet. And in every sense, we see that God observing their sin and also God also, uh, I'm sure, uh, giving that grace and even that mercy for them to repent. Of course, they didn't. And we see that at the end, uh, the Israelites came in and uh, uh, God gave them the promised land. But as we think about these altars in Israel, altars in that land, uh, they weren't all forsaken. And uh, many of them... Uh, uh, as we think about those Israelites, it got into pagan worship, and they got into false gods and religion. And uh, so in the Bible, there are false altars dedicated to false gods, and there is no doubt about that. During the time of the kings, and many altars were set up to burn incense and worship idols. Now, despite of all this, and as we think about some altars, pagan altars, and uh, 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 altars that are dedicated to different idols, Despite of all this, we see from the scripture true worship being dedicated to God using the right altar. An altar is first mentioned after the flood. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20, if you look at the scripture on the screen with me, it says that Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And we see that the clean animals were preserved. And we see that uh, Noah took them to the ark. And then after, as they landed uh, uh, and water receded, 
we see that uh, Noah built an altar to God Almighty and took of the clean beast and took of the clean fowl and had a burnt offering for the Lord. So we see clearly from the scripture there was a specific preparation on Noah's part and also acceptance in God's part as we think about this burnt sacrifice and also the altar that was built. Look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 21 now. The next verse says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. So this form of worship was pleasing to the Lord, and he accepted the burnt sacrifice, and he accepted the altar that Noah built for him. And as we think of the altar this morning, we cannot ignore the great application that we could gain. And yes, there are false altars in the Bible, and of course, uh, in every way, uh, uh, there were false worship and pagan worship, but there are also right worship, and there are also right altars that were built, as we think about the example of Noah, and I believe there's some good spiritual application that we could draw from, and we don't make Altars at church, of course, today. And we're not going to get stones around and build an altar on this pulpit and have a burnt sacrifice. We won't do that, of course. And uh, uh, we won't get each stones uh, uh, every uh, uh, Wednesday night or maybe Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, and place a uh, uh, sacrifice of rams or maybe bulls and maybe even turtle doves. No, we won't do that because those things are done away with. But I believe that we should have a spiritual altar within us. And we might not have an altar, physical altar, as you could say. And uh, as we think about the Old Testament, we might not have those things. But I believe that we should have a spiritual altar, altar within all of us. We should build an altar within our hearts after the Spirit and in truth. And there should be an altar of sacrifice, a sacrificial heart, an altar of offering, a giving heart, an altar of total dedication, a surrender heart, an altar of vows, a fixed heart. And we should have a spiritual altar within our hearts. Thank God we don't have an altar erected here and there. And like the Old Testament, thank God we don't have to bring sacrifices of lambs and goats and bulls because Jesus Christ gave himself on the altar as a sacrifice. And that one offering gave us all the remission of sin and gave us a promise of eternal life. And those old ordinances and those old sacrifices are done away with because Jesus Christ gave the perfect sacrifice. And uh, as we think about those altars being done away with, I believe that God is calling us to have another altar, a spiritual altar within our hearts, within ourselves, so that we could worship God in spirit and in truth. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 4, and verse 19. And the woman said unto him, Sir, I...
because the access of worshiping God in the spirit and in truth will be available. And uh, Jesus said in verse 22 and verse 23, ye worship, ye know not what? You know what we, we know what we worship for the salvation of, is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. So as we think about this New Testament era and as we think about our Christ visitation and how he died on that cross and as he was buried and as he rose again and he gave us his Holy Spirit. As we think about that truth, God is not specifically in locations or places or in buildings. No, he is within our hearts. Okay. So we worship God in spirit and in truth. Thank God we have a wonderful building here. Thank God for morning services. Thank God for the worship service that we have every Sunday morning, maybe even Wednesday night or Sunday night. Thank God for those. But I believe that you are not just bounded by a location. I believe that you could worship God in your home. You could worship God everywhere you go. And uh, you just take the word of God and, and you pray and uh, you kneel. And I believe that uh, the temple that God is pleased with is your heart and your body. And ladies and gentlemen, let us recognize the fact that we have an altar that we need to build in our hearts. And that we could worship God in a true way through the spirit and in truth. An altar is a place of sacrifice. Let us remind ourselves about that. It is a place of dedication. It is a place of offering holiness and vows. And I wonder if you have a place reserved for that purpose in your hearts. Or is your heart just filled with sin? Or is your heart just filled with maybe the pleasure of this world? Or is your heart maybe dedicated to your own goal and your purpose? I hope you have an altar that is dedicated to our God Almighty, to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And give a place to God Almighty. Oh, David wrote of, this, of his repentance toward God. And he wrote in Psalm 51, look at verse 16 and 17. For thou desirest not sacrifice, yes, yeah, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, thy will not despise. And then he writes in verse 19, Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness, with burnt offerings, whole barn offerings. Then shall they offer bullocks upon, the, upon thine altar. So what was David saying? David was saying, you're not just pleased with the physical altar. No, you're pleased with a heart that is contrite, humble, that is dedicated. And ladies and gentlemen, God does not just look at the outward. God looks at the heart of everybody. Men might look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart of everyone. And ladies and gentlemen, do you have a heart that is dedicated to the Lord? Do you have a heart that is uh, uh, dedicated to an altar to God Almighty? And then you could make different sacrifice, and then you could do some good works uh, with your hands, but I wonder how your heart is. Do you have an altar within your heart that is dedicated to our Savior? And uh, 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 so the worship 
at the altar is still relevant for us today. The spiritual altar had always been the focus. So we need to understand that we need to build an altar so that we may dedicate ourselves and that we could give of ourselves to God and make some vows and make some decisions. What are some spiritual guidelines that we need to take key? So I'd like to give you this morning just simply three uh, uh, spiritual guidelines when building an altar of worship within our hearts. So first of all, let's think about rendering your own altar. Render your own altar. Render your own altar. The Word of God speaks of three patriarchs together. Most importantly, God is a witness of this. He often called himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, Isaac, and then he says the God of Jacob. So we see three generations of men who are patriarchs. They were Abraham, and they were Isaac, and then we see Jacob. And as we note these three patriarchs, we notice that these three men had altars. And the Bible says in Genesis 12, verse 7, about Abraham. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So Abram, as soon as he uh, uh, heard uh, God Almighty... And uh, he dedicated himself to the Lord by building an altar. In Genesis 26, verse 25, here's Isaac now, Abram's son, building an altar. And uh, uh, he, Isaac, built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dig a well. So just like his father, Isaac builds an altar. And then we see in Genesis 35, verse 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God, that appear unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. So the importance of the witnesses, or maybe the evidence of these three men, is that they had a wonderful lineage together, And there were, of course, father and son, maybe grandchild and grandparent. And we see the relation there. And uh, but I believe there's a great spiritual relations of the altars that they have built. Jacob did not go back to Isaac's altar and dedicate himself to God in Isaac's altar. He did not do that. He built his own altar to God. That's what Jacob did. And as we think about Isaac, Isaac did not go back to Abram's altar and then worship God at his father's altar. He did not do that. The Bible says he built his own altar. And as we think about this regeneration of worship and these altars, we see that they did not share their altars together. No, they built themselves their own altars to God Almighty. And what a great application for us to consider this morning. If we want to build our altar, let us make sure that we build our own altar to God Almighty. And we cannot borrow somebody else's. We cannot rely on somebody else's uh, altar. No, I believe that we need to make sure that we have our own altar to God Almighty. That we dedicate ourselves wholly to God all alone so that God will be pleased. Husbands, uh, 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 as we think about your life today, you cannot borrow your wife's altar to worship God. 
And if you're a wife this morning, you cannot borrow your husband's altar to worship God. And if you are a child this morning, maybe you have some parents who are godly, you cannot borrow their altar to worship God. No, you need to have your own altar. You need to have your own worship. And you cannot borrow your pastor's altar to worship God. You cannot borrow some godly men or godly ladies at Bible Baptist Church, their altar to worship God. No, you need to build your own altar, my friend. Do you have your own altar? Because one day, the altars that you might be relying on, uh, you're maybe uh, a godly friend, or maybe a godly mentor, or maybe your pastor, or maybe a godly Sunday school teacher, or maybe your parents, or maybe your husband or your wife. Hey, that altar might no longer be there. What are you going to do then? Would you have your own altar? I think that's why Jacob had to build his own altar. He was not with his father anymore. He had to worship God. We think about Isaac. Isaac had to build his own altar. Why? Abram was no longer. He was not there anymore. One day you'll have the other altars. Do you have your own altar? When Elijah left in a whirlwind, Elisha cried out, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And God answers him by splitting the water in half. And God was saying, Elisha, I am here. And I believe that scenario is a great, wonderful picture of Elijah seeking the Lord and also dedicating himself to God. And he, had no, he, he did not have Elijah anymore. But he had his God. And that was an important fact of their life. And Elijah had his own altar. I think about the, the battle of Jericho before that occurred. Joshua meets the captain of the host. He stands on a holy ground for the first time. And uh, before all that time, he was always by the mountainside and looking for Moses and waiting for Moses to come down. And he was not worthy to go up to that mountaintop in Sinai and receive the commandments. But he stood by, him, by the man of God and, and did all that he can to support that man. But when Moses was gone, we see here before the battle of Jericho, uh, uh, he is standing on a holy ground. And the captain of the host comes. And we see Joshua worshiping God at his own altar. We think about that holy ground. Who else was that on that holy ground? We think about how Moses stood on that holy ground at that burning bush. Moses had an altar where he could meet God in a holy place. And as we think about Joshua, he had to get his own place. And God knew that, so that's why God revealed himself to Joshua. Rely on me. Trust in me. Dedicate yourself to me. Surrender to me before you fight this battle of Jericho. And ladies and gentlemen, do you have your own altar this morning? I think about the other side to this. Job and Job's children. You remember Job? Great man of God, wasn't he? The Bible says about him, though, in verse 5. He did a great thing here in, in chapter 1, verse 5 in Job. And it was so when the days of their feastings were gone about that Job sent and sacrificed, sanctified them and rose up early in the morning 
and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. Of course, he had an altar. For Job said, it may be that my who? Sons. Have what? Sinned. And curse God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Thank God for Job's testimony. I mean, he had his heart for his children. He says, you know what? I don't know what they're doing privately, but in their hearts, they could have cursed God. So I'm going to bring up an offering. I'm going to intercede for them. I, I, I have my own altar. I can communicate to God. I can let God know of their sin, and, and I could uh, try to uh, appease God uh, concerning the wrath that he might have toward my children. And he did a great job interceding for his children. He did a great job in using his altar. But I wonder where their children's altar was. I think about these children. The oldest one, the Bible says in Job chapter 1, he had his own house. He invited his brothers and sisters to come and have a party, have a feast. The Bible is very clear that these, pe these young people uh, uh, were not just toddlers or maybe children or maybe teenagers. No, they're grown men. They had their own house. They had their own occupation, I believe. But I believe that they didn't have their own altar. Job had to intercede for these children. Now, Job did a wonderful job, and any parent's part would do this. And I think all parents in this room will intercede for our children. But our longing, our goal, and our purpose is that one day my son, my daughter will have their own altar. I want Josiah and Annabelle to have their own altar. I want Silas to have his own altar. They cannot rely on my altar for the next maybe 70 years of their lives. No, they need to know Christ is their personal Savior. And then from there, I believe that they need to dedicate themselves to God. They need to read their Bible. They need to pray. They need to see answer prayer. They need to have their own altar they can rely on. Because God is real and God is a living God for them as well. And that should be our goal as parents. And if you don't have your own altar, ladies and gentlemen, that is the first thing you need to pray. You have worship. You have dedication. You have sacrifice. Is your heart dedicated to the Lord? Surrender all to the Lord. Is there an altar? So we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Rendering their own altars to God. And ladies and gentlemen, let us also do the same. Secondly, remove all false altars. Remove all false altars. It is spoken of a revival in Josiah's days. In 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 13. And the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of the Corruption, with Solomon, the king of Israel, built it for Ashtaroth, the abomination of the Zidonians, and for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and Milcom, which is also like the abomination of the children of Ammon, did the king defile. And he break in pieces the images and cut down the groves and filled their places with the bones of men. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place with Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin and made both that altar and the high place he broke down, break down and burned the high place and stamped in his small to powder and burned the grove. You know, think about this. By 2 Kings chapter 23, as we just read a moment ago, 
between the king Solomon and King Josiah, there had been 17 kings. Okay? Between the time of King Solomon to the time of King Josiah, there had been 17 kings, including Josiah. Approximately, when King Josiah was reigning, it had been over 380 years since the reign of Solomon. That's a long time. Okay. That's a very long time. That's longer than this country has been in existence. Okay. So for around 380 years, we see Solomon's sins abiding in the land. Throughout all 17 kings, before Josiah comes in the scene, these altars, let's name them again, Asheroth, Sh uh, Chemosh, and Milcom, these altars were in the land of Israel. And these kings did not think twice to remove these altars. And it was only it was only when Josiah comes in the scene, a young king with a tender heart, he is broken over the uh, uh, the great sin of the land and the great sin that his uh, fathers have done, and he repents and he starts removing these altars and and, and experiences a great revival. He even drives out the uh, Sodomites, and he even also goes to Bethel, uh, uh, where uh, Jeroboam started his own worship. And because he said to the Israelites, hey, do not go all the way out to Judah. Do not go all the way out to Jerusalem to worship God. No, you can worship God in Israel. Let's make some altars here. And one of them placed was Bethel, and uh, uh, it was abomination to God Almighty. So uh, uh, we see the king of Judah going uh, 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 to Bethel and uh, reaching where he had no somewhat of a jurisdiction, but he goes there and he uh, takes away the altars because he wants to make sure that they clean, come clean before the Lord. He wanted to remove not just some false altars, but all the false altars. What a great testimony for Josiah. And I wonder if you have some altars in your heart today that you've been just keeping secretly. That you've been just kind of always been tucking it away deep down in your heart where there's a false idol set up there. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your ambition. come to church, you read the Bible, you pray, you do everything faithful. But how about your altars in your life? Are there some false altars? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. I believe that God deserves the best. I believe that God deserves all. 
today will be passed down to the next generation. Your children will come from that. And that's the burden in my heart. And as I've been as I was preparing this message, I wonder if there's some things that I have prepared in my own heart that falls also during my time in my battle with this burden. And Josiah made sure that there were no traces of these false altars. He defiled them. He broke them in pieces. He cut down their groves. He filled it with dead men's bones. He created a cemetery out of them. He made sure that there were no traces of idol worship and altars. He wanted to come clean before the Lord. And as you start 2016, I think you need to start cleaning. I think we all need to come surrender to God. Remove all false altars. Number three, sometimes we need to repair our altars. Repair your altar. As you build your own altar, sometimes you realize, hey, there's some fixture that needs to be done. Elijah confronted Baal worshippers and King Ahab in Israel and Mount Carmel. He had a contest to see whose God is a real God, so... Elijah says to the Baal worshiper, hey, uh, why don't you call your God and then bring down fire from heaven? And then uh, they do that all morning. And of course, is there an answer? No. Quiet. Nothing's happening. They start dancing. They start shouting. Nothing's happening. And then at the end, they start cutting themselves to give attention to, to uh, 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 their false gods. And Elijah mocks him. Elijah says, hey, where is your God? It seems like maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he took a long journey. And after all the, I guess you could say, uh, performance was done by these bell worshippers, Elijah comes to the scene. Elijah goes to the exact place where they used to be an altar. And the Bible says that he repairs this altar. And he repairs it exactly where it should be. He takes the 12 stones to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Bible says over and over again that Israel will be a person who will praise him in one day. And as we think about this wonderful example, we see that Elijah was building this altar for the glory of God. And he wanted to repair this altar for the glory of God. It wasn't just to maybe have a showmanship, hey, to prove that, hey, you're wrong and I'm right. No, he was trying to glorify the Lord. And as we think about this example, 
I think we have some people who've been a Christian for a while, and, and they've been uh, living for God for the last maybe 20, maybe 25, maybe even 30 years. You used to have an altar that was sanctified, that was holy, that was complete. But somehow, it's been neglected. Somehow, the stones are missing. Somehow, it's not been dedicated. It's been somewhat pushed aside. I wonder if you could just go back to that altar again and restore it. I wonder if you could just go back and dedicate yourself to God once again. Not for yourselves, but to glorify the Lord. Would you repair your own altar? Why don't you claim God's promise in his name like Elijah did? And just because the altar was broken, that doesn't mean that God was dead. No, he was still a living God. And he is a living God to you as well. And he is waiting to answer you if you just simply repair that altar of yours and call unto him. And he will answer you. And he will, in every way, change your life and, and glorify himself through your life. And how is your altar this morning? What happened to your devotion? What happened to your fervency? What happened to your passion? What happened to your zeal and the courage that you had to maybe witness? What happened to all that? Maybe the altar has been neglected. Maybe you need to repair that altar this morning. Do you have an altar today? Do you have many altars? Maybe that's your problem. Maybe you need to remove some altars. Or do you have your own altar? Are you even saved? Are you even born again? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? That's where you need to start. Then you can build. And then you could build your own altar. I want to encourage you this morning about this topic called altar. Do you have your own? Or do you have too many? Or do you also need to repair?